welcome back to another episode of Raising His Kids podcast. I'm Lauren, and I'm here with my co-host, Tony. We are joined by our fantastic guest, Scarlett, from the account Enjoying Your Blended Family. Today, we're diving into a topic that resonates with so many moms out there, the challenges of being both a bio mom and a stepmom. That's right. Scarlett is not just a bio mom, but also a stepmom navigating blended family life. Scarlett and her husband have been blending for an impressive 15 years and have sparked quite a bit of controversy on Instagram by posting about prioritizing their marriage in their twice blended family. So this will be a great episode for those who are in a yours and mine blend or even like me in a yours, mine and ours blend as Scarlett also has a foster daughter adding an extra layer to her unique family dynamic. We've got lots of great questions for Scarlett. So grab your coffee or your wine and let's jump into it. Welcome, Scarlett. We're so excited you're here. Oh, I am so excited to be on here with you ladies too. And I definitely have my coffee here, my pumpkin spice latte and just ready to get into it. I love y'all's episodes. Just not spilling the tea, but being real, you know, (laughs) talking about the stuff that a lot of people want to tiptoe around and y'all are willing to embrace that in a healthy way though, right? With wanting the positive um, resolution on there. So I'm so grateful to be here with you ladies. Awesome. Yeah, we definitely try to keep it like on the positive side. We don't want to be those stepmoms. Like, and there is a fair amount of negative, especially because we're both in high conflict situations. And then I have the conflict coming from both sides, but we tried to talk about how we want a positive resolution and how we can try and get to a positive resolution because, you know, there's the golden unicorn of blending families, right? Where everyone gets along, but it's not always possible. So we've got to take the good where we can. Yeah. And that's definitely our story too. We did not have it easy, but if you can stick it out, you see the, you see that reward. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of that, can you share your story of how your blended family came together and considering like both your roles as bio mom and stepmom in your blended family? Yes. So just to give like a little bit of timeline, we have been blending for 15 years now. So pretty quickly after my divorce, I met Randall. Like I wasn't even fully divorced yet, but we had been separated for over a year. And Randall had actually, which my husband had been separated for four years and had gone through a really long divorce process. And his ex-wife lived in another state and he had full custody of his daughter. And then I was, like I said, still in the process of divorcing when um, we met. I had put it on hold for a while. And then once I met Randall, I was like, okay, I'm completely, you know, this is an old chapter. It's time to like Mm -hmm. boot it out the door. And so in the beginning, when we started blending, it really wasn't bad because the kids were all young. They were eight, seven and four. You know, they seemed to get along and we were both raising our children full time. And so we quickly went into this relationship as if we were a nuclear family, um, Mm -hmm. which back then I didn't even know that was a term or anything. I've just learned that as we've started helping uh, step families. But we were just pretty much raising the kids as if he was dad, I was mom. And that was okay for a while until the other co-parents started to have a little bit more interaction in the kids' lives Mm -hmm. and stirring some things up for us. And then it was quickly apparent to me that I was definitely stepmom 
and it was mm-hmm. well known that I was step like it was put in my face often I'm stepmom I'm not bio mom even though I was doing all of the biological mom stuff in the house you know raising of the the kids just like y'all's podcast that talks about I'm yeah. I am raising his kid I am the mom in the house but yet um I got all the pushback and resentment that came from my stepdaughter and so we just kind of like maneuvered our way through that we stayed really busy really involved in the kids lives and just kind of like stumbling along until our kids became teenagers starting with his daughter first and so when his daughter went away for the summer to go spend time with her mom then we got a phone call and she told her dad like dad I'm not coming home and we were just shocked because we had been in therapy trying to work towards like okay she's voicing she wants to go live over there what would that look like we thought we had a lot more time and then it was just all of a sudden she was gone and she came for a visit and we tried to force her to stay um, not court order anything all of it was not like court ordered it was just like I'm staying dad okay well you're 15 Um, we'll let you try this out for a little bit and then we tried to force her to stay because we didn't agree with some things that were happening over there and it forced her to completely like shut down break down we ended up putting her back on the plane sending her back to her mom's and then for three years like zero contact with with her she cut us off um, blocked cell phones no social media Um, her her mom wouldn't answer information anymore and so it seriously was as if someone just ripped your heart out because you prepare for your kids to move on and stuff after 18 Mm -hmm. right but when they're 14 15 years old making these decisions um, we really just had like this dark cloud over our house we had just bought this brand new house that we had worked so hard to get to be able to have all of our kids have their own rooms and we finally got in and she didn't even have her stuff unpacked because she was gone for the summer we were waiting and it was as if she had died and I hate to even say that because it sounds like so morbid but as Mm -hmm. if like we that room how you know if like a kid goes missing or something and they just leave it like completely the way it is and we just avoided it and that spiraled into these issues with my biological kids because they began to see that she was able to make that choice and now they started to voice that they wanted that as well and as bio mom even though like my husband let his daughter do that Mm -hmm. I was like "Uh uh-uh this is not happening like they are not doing this so I went into full-on like um, mama bear protection mode and started up like a whole court case and trying to just like shut my ex-husband up so that he wouldn't pursue it anymore and in the end I put end up pushing my kids away as well during that early teenage um, time and it took a lot during that to try to reestablish those relationships wow Um, that was a lot It is. It's a lot. And, you know, from a bio, myself being in a bio mom perspective, I've always said to my son, like, if you want to spend more time with your dad, go do it. But I guess part of it is also because I know that his dad doesn't really want that extra time. And, you know, my son has voiced, I want to spend more time with dad. I say, great, pick up the phone, ask him. He has the conversation with his dad and his dad goes silent because he he's he's not ready or equipped or whatever. Um, but like where we're in a tricky spot at the moment where my oldest stepson is 13 and we're about to go to court ordered 50-50 custody on January 1st and we're already getting pushback because we're the disciplinary household and his primary carer being Karen is the Disney household. You know, we're struggling with those issues of him not doing his homework and it's not a matter of you can get away with not doing your homework because you're good at school. You're failing school because you have learning difficulties. You really need to do your homework and it's causing those conflicts in our house and I can see it happen 
happening. Like I'm already mentally seeing it like in a year or two where he's going to go, I'm not coming to your house anymore. And I think that's something that everyone in a blended family, you know, they have those thoughts like what can we do to stop that happening? But really, is there anything that you can do? Because the kids are going to make up their own mind one way or another. Right. We're already worried about and that and my stepson's only seven. So I definitely um, understand that. I think for us though, uh, we have like a day or like an age, like when he turns 14, he can start having some say in it. So is there anything in either of your court orders that say anything like that? Ours did not. And I mean, we have some unique situations and there was, I mean, I look back, I'm, I've learned a lot during those years. My kids were gone. I did so much self growth and reflecting and saw like how much of me was being like petty. Like when I listened to some of y'all's episodes and I was like, I'm Karen, um, <laughs> like I will admit it but some of it was fear for their safety like it really was um these issues so ours did not have that written in there but both of the kids believe that to be true and both sides were coached in that when you turn this age you get to choose what you're gonna do and it just i mean it's not that black and white and honestly if i had to go back i would allow more time at least i think i would i would allow more time like you said tony like okay if you want to go because I think it would have probably had a lot of the same results as far Mm -hmm. as like it it really wouldn't have followed through as much but I was just so sure that what was happening over there was so unsafe that I just held on like so tight I think it'd be different if you had healthy situations on the other side and it was Mm -hmm. like okay let's do 50 50 50 50 wasn't even like a thing back then like I didn't even think that was an option And honestly, I had the mentality, if I didn't have my kids, the full custody and my ex-husband got them every other weekend, then that was a reflection on me. And I must be a terrible mother because I don't have custody of my kids, which isn't facts or true. It's just whatever um, I had just built up this idea of what mom life should look like. Right. Yeah. The Those beliefs that enter your mind are it is crazy I just became like a bio mom five months ago and I've already been like battling thoughts of like oh this means I'm not a good mom so I can't really relate to the the custody thing but I could definitely see how that could be like an issue for your like limiting beliefs and like what you're telling yourself yes I actually remember when my son was born like when I found out it was going to be a boy I mean this is how crazy it was but I wasn't I was in high school when I got pregnant with him and so his dad and I were not married yet Um, We had been dating for a while. And I remember going to the ultrasound and them saying it's a boy and a tear coming down my eye thinking he's going to leave me someday. And that was like baggage from my childhood, right? Like that. And then I carried that fear all the way through my parenting of, okay, I've got to do all of these things perfect so that my kids don't want to leave me and go live with their other parent. And we were married seven years. That wasn't even like an issue during that time frame, but it's just the stuff that would play in my head. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. It's so it's so crazy what you can tell yourself and the work that you have to do to like unlearn those beliefs is it's so crazy how how much work goes into it. Yeah. It's a generational trauma that impacts us. And I feel like a lot of stepmoms yeah. are triggered more than just normal women. Yeah, this is like a little woo woo. But I honestly believe that like stepmoms are put into this position because it's like something that we have to learn because so many of my triggers I grew through from being a stepmom. I totally, totally relate and agree to that. And it does teach you so much. But I think it's because as a stepmom, 
Like your kids are supposed to love you no matter what, but that the stepchild, if you do something wrong, then they don't have that condition. You know, it is conditional. They, they don't have to love you and they can leave you. They don't have to be in your life anymore. And so you get that fear and that rejection coming from it. Whereas if my kids said, I hate you, or, you know, you're not a good mom. I'm like, well, tough. That's my job. Like I'm not supposed yeah, to be right. your best friend kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. You're stuck with me. Yeah. But both your, bio kids and your stepdaughter they came back to live with you after leaving to live with their other parents didn't they yes so it basically the way it all worked out and it was such a god thing for for me that when my stepdaughter came back was the same summer my kids left and I think had that not happened, I probably would have been left pretty hopeless. But having seen how it goes full circle and the relationship gets restored, it gave me that hope to hold on to when my kids were gone. But it took very intentional actions on my husband's part and then on my part as well as far as reaching out. Like for for her dad, he we went so long without talking to her. Well, he became like to this point, and this is part of like where the foster kid comes in as well. That bedroom mm-hmm. that I was talking about that never got used, we had one of our youth students reach out and say, I'm looking for a family. She was 17 at the time and she had one, you know, one more year, or like half half of her senior year left and she was going to go off to college. She's like, I just want somebody to call a family. Um, do you know anybody? And I'm like, we have this extra room here. Why not open it up and, you know, invite her in? Well, it got back to my stepdaughter that we just replaced her. All of a sudden, this new girl is in these pictures. Um, you know, we have different families family photos, different holidays. And now, you know, one's gone, another one's in there. And somehow that got back to Randall, my husband. And when he heard that, it broke his heart. He's like, that's the furthest from the truth, but I don't want her to be up there thinking this. And at this point now, my stepdaughter's like turning uh, 17 at the time, getting ready to graduate herself. And he just started calling her every Sunday and he would leave her voicemails. And he would say, look, I don't know if you're getting these. I don't know if this is still your number. I just want you to know I love you. And it always makes me cry just thinking about it because Mm -hmm. he was so intentional with it that eventually she started answering and sometimes she would just sit there silent on the other side and he would just speak truth to her and encourage her and remind her like I love you you know I'm your dad I'm never going to stop doing that and then eventually she started talking and it would be very small talk Mm -hmm. to the point where we finally got to where she wanted to come visit and she was going to get on the plane but she would make herself so sick and anxious about coming that she would physically not be able to get on the airplane and we had bought all of this food, her favorite things, filled the fridge and like so excited. The younger kids, you know, like, okay, she's coming. And then she wouldn't get on the plane. And then months would go by again of trying to restore this relationship. And he got this brilliant idea one day. I'm just going to drive and go meet her where she's at. And it was a 10 hour drive. And he drove all the way over there. And by this point, she was no longer living with her mom. Um, She had realized the situation there and she had left to go live with her grandmother on her mom's side. And so there was a little bit of like her being able to separate herself from that situation. Mm -hmm. And And he picked her up, they embraced, and he brought her all the way back home. And then she chose from there to go ahead and stay. And from that moment forward, she began to see me for everything that I had always been for her. But she was so blind Mm -hmm. that she couldn't see it when I was just stepmom in the house, right? Now, everything I did, the cooking for her, taking her back and forth to all of her events, making like special nights and dates and all the things that I would do for the kids, that it was all done out of love. And I just wanted to be 
in her life that way. Now, all of a sudden, she appreciated that. And she began to like call me her best friend. And she still does. She's 24 now. And she's like, you know, you're my best friend. She just called me earlier today. And we've been out of town for five days. And she's like, I just want you to know I'm so glad you're home because I'm so tired. And when I get home, I'm going to curl up in your lap. And the reason the only reason I'm not crying right now is because I know I'm coming home and you're there. This is a 24 year old. This is where our relationship has got now. But it's because in the growing stages, she just she couldn't see it. There was just too much going on too much where even if her mom didn't say it, I'm not her mom, her biological mom, I can't say exactly what she said and didn't say but she had such a pressure that she couldn't love me and love her mom at the same time. Mm -hmm. And you see that a lot. I mean, it's not uncommon. Yeah. And so that was the situation with my stepdaughter. And then through that time, again, like within the like weeks of each other, I ended up releasing my kids, the court or, you know, we were supposed to be trying doing this trial 50-50 that summer. And they were just doing a lot of things that was unhealthy in our house. So I was like, you know what? I'm just, I got to let them go. I got to let them go out there and experience this life as scared as I am that they may not survive it, I've got to. And so I released them from having to come with us every other week and they just stopped coming. And it took a lot of time of just letting them experience life. They were running from anything our household had to offer, painted this big monster in their head of who we were and what we were trying to force them to Mm -hmm. be and that we didn't accept them for who they were. And then eventually I started doing just like my husband did with his daughter. I started, hey, do you want to go get ice? ice cream. Hey, do you want to go to Goodwill with me? Cause she loves thrifting. Hey, to my son, you want to go pick up some food? He was a little easier. I think boys can be a little easier to mend that where girls, um, mm-hmm. it takes a little bit more to pierce through that, but we just completely started making it nothing about the topics or the issues that we didn't agree on. And we just started having fun with them and yeah. just speaking life into them and leaving everything else off the table. Even if they told me something added, you know, if they got drunk or whatever, okay. Hey, I'm, you know, they're a child. They shouldn't be doing that. Close my mouth. Or if they're dating this guy that I don't think is close my mouth. And I just stayed on the positive um, and focused on those things. And then eventually it mended those relationships as well. Yeah. So it's a beautiful story about how the kids realize that the grass isn't always greener on the other side, basically, which mm-hmm. is kind of what where I'm at with my son. Like if he chooses to go live with his dad, he's going to realize that the grass isn't greener there. He I think he somewhat already knows, like he's only eight, he's about to turn nine. And he was unfortunate enough when he was a toddler to witness the things that happened. So he knows exactly why I left his father, you know, whereas my stepsons, they were like sheltered from the ins and outs of the failing marriage between my husband and his ex-wife. So they still have this whole fantasy of like, just one day mom and dad were happily married and then the next day dad's moving out. So they, especially the younger one, because he's autistic, he doesn't fully comprehend it and he's very black and white. Like his mum is mum, I am stepmom, but even though I'm stepmom, I'm not mum. I don't get to do the mum things for him and it makes him angry if I do do the mum things for him. Whereas the older stepson, like he'll turn around and tell people that I'm his other mum. He'd rather people think he has two mums than a stepmom 
and a bio mum. So like we're raising two completely different kids in this crazy chaotic roller coaster. It is a chaotic one for sure. Um, Scarlett, you were talking about like the challenges when your kids got into like teen years, but um, would you be able to talk like a little bit on challenges when they were like younger, like maybe when you and your husband first got together? Yeah. Well, for for my stepdaughter, I think the, the biggest challenges were during the transition times because of the way that our custody was set up. Like she only went during holidays or long extended periods during the summer. And so anytime it was time to get ready to go or when she was coming back, it was she was like a completely different kid. I mean, even Mm -hmm. down to her accent because they live um, in Alabama. So like she would come back and just like such a thick accent. It's like she became like these two different people because we have such different households. And then that's when I would completely get the cold shoulder. Um, I mean, and silly stuff that I took so serious. Um, once, one summer she was gone and I redecorated her room, you know, good intentions. I was trying to like, you know, geez, she was turning like double digits or something. And, you know, it was like, okay, let's get like a girly kind of room now. And my, my husband wasn't into like decorating her room. So I was like, oh, now there's mom in the house. So, you know, I get to do these things. Mm-hmm. Well, I got her this like zebra board that have like the lattice kind of things like ribbon and printed mm-hmm. out all these pictures for our family, like for her to put on there. And then she comes home and, you know, she acts appreciative of the room and stuff. And then all of a sudden, like, I go in there to, like, pick up something. And I notice that in every single family photo, my face is the one that's covered with the the ribbon. Wow. Like, she had strategically made it where you couldn't see me. And those are the kind of things that, like, to my, my husband, he has, he's clueless. No, it just happens to, mm-hmm. it just happens to be like that. I'm like, no, this is intentional. Like she is marking me out of the family. And he's like, no, that's that's not how it was. And I'm like, so frustrated. Like, why can't you see it? But she wasn't an angry child. She wasn't like vocal on how she felt about me. She was very quiet. It was in the things that she didn't do or the things that she wouldn't participate in. She if we had family pictures, we we have this one that's still hanging in our living room. We call it the mirror cat because I'm like, you know, hey, we're wearing these colors. And she goes and finds this old wrinkly shirt to put on. And like, she's standing in the back with this like super smirk on her face. And I'm like, oh, why do you have to make everything like holidays? All of them. Like she was just so like anti-social in it. Like it just sucked the joy out of it. And I couldn't enjoy it because I'm trying to make her happy too. Um, So that's, that was a lot of the stuff when it came to like the stepmom and then my food, of course. Like I remember seeing text messages because I'm a nosy stepmom. I'm a nosy mom in general. And I would read the text messages and she would go in there talking about like how bad my food was. And I would making her eat food off the floor. And it's just not true. It, oh my gosh. it was like, that, that's complete, the crap we have from little J. <laughs> yeah, it was complete lies. And then I have her mom calling me saying how I could make my food more tasty. And I'm like, oh I know how to add butter to carrots. Like I don't need you to tell me how to like cook better. I mean, sometimes we don't have butter because we're eating healthy, you know, like, <laughs> so yeah. Oh. It's like my youngest stepson, so he's been diagnosed with faulted growth, which is kind of like failure to thrive in babies because he has such a restricted autism diet. But we have been persistent 
So for six years, I've been really persistent on the foods that I feed him. We don't make different meals for him. He's got to eat what the other kids are eating. But when he goes, so he gains weight when he's with us and then he loses weight when he goes back to his mum's. And then we find messages on his phone where he's messaging his mum saying, there's nothing to eat in this house. Dad and Tony won't feed me dinner. I'm so hungry. They won't feed me. Mind you, we'd just cooked a roast and had a roast lunch and- we told the kids that, you know, this is your dinner. Like if you're hungry, make a sandwich, noodles, fruit, yogurt, whatever, that sort of thing. Like I'm not cooking dinner. I've just slaved in the kitchen all day cooking you a roast lunch. And he's messaging his mum going, there's no food. There's no dinner. They're not going to feed me. And so are you kidding me? Like you could have eaten more at lunch if you're that hungry. So I get that. It's so frustrating. Right? Well, yeah, I think the food was like one of the biggest issues. I'm like, I I hated and I wanted dinner time to be so special, like sit around the table and have like a normal family because I didn't have that growing up. And it was like a fight with my biological kids, too. It was Mm -hmm. always just a fight when it came to eating dinner. Oh, it's a fight for me as well. Like, and even now, like we're scattered and we're eating at different times because one's got football and my husband's coming home late from work and I'm just trying to feed the kids as fast as I can. And it's, yeah, it's chaotic. Or you've got one that sits there for an hour chewing one one piece of pasta. It's mm-hmm. like, try not to lose my shit. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And Tony, I think we've talked about before, especially with my biological kids, I think our biggest issue was the ADHD. And Mm -hmm. coming into our marriage, we they were undiagnosed because they were young. And my husband did not understand that you could not just discipline them into cleaning up after themselves or getting their homework done or, you know, not just bouncing from thing to thing. And that was like a huge stressor in our marriage. Really, one of our biggest fights that we had was because he thought that I just wasn't disciplining them enough and that if I would, that they would do better. And I'm trying to explain to him as I'm trying to learn myself, like, no, like this is something that they can't control and we have Mm -hmm. to figure out how to give them the right tools for this. Yeah. And so I noticed the traits in his two kids first. So he to automatically took that as I was attacking them when I clearly wasn't attacking them, but I could see that they were struggling. And it's really taken a few years for him to really understand, you know, their diagnosis. And we've done several parenting courses to try and understand what's going on with the boys and how we can better handle it. And there's still sometimes like uh, Big Big J, his oldest, and Big K, my bio son, both have inattentive ADHD. So they're, they're space cadets and you can't give them more than one task at a time. So getting ready for school in the morning is really challenging because we're like, okay, eat your breakfast. And then they'll sit there for 30 minutes staring at an empty window. And then we're like, okay, now you have to get dressed. We can't go eat breakfast, get dressed, brush your teeth. And then we've got little Jay who is level two autism and combination ADHD. So not only is he inattentive, he's bouncing off the walls at the same time. So he's just got a whole lot of chaos going on in his mind. And he was always very much of the thought, like, we just need to discipline these kids more. And so that's not that's not what it is. Their brains work differently to ours and we need to, you know, change the way we're thinking to help them. And, you know, since doing that, things have actually been able to get a bit smoother in our home, like, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
Well, and we're learning too, right? Because we've never parented kids with special needs, you know, like special diagnosis or anything. And so not only are we having to figure out how to parent in general, but then on top of that, how to do that in a different way. And then also like, as we're learning so much now that how we were parented was just because it's how we were parented doesn't mean it was right. <laughs> so, okay, how can we make these changes um, as well so that we can show up as better parents to our kids? And then you just add in the co-parenting, all of that. It's just becomes a whole crazy mess. Yeah, totally. That's such a good point too, that like not parenting the way you were parented, because that's not always the way to go. That's definitely something that I'm going to have to learn more of as I get into a more, I mean, my baby's five months old. So once she's actually like doing things, then I'll definitely need to learn how to do that. Okay. So your family underwent a significant transition when your three kids left to live on their own with the other parent during their teenage years. How did you and your husband navigate that period? For us, I'm so grateful that it drew us together versus pulling us apart. And it, it kind of happened by accident because when my stepdaughter was gone at the time and my youngest was starting to go through um, issues herself and she was court ordered to go to therapy, but her dad didn't think that it was an important thing for her to do. And so he wouldn't show her, bring her for her appointments. And I would just be sitting there like, ugh. And of course, you know, we have to pay for them regardless. And so eventually I was like, do you mind if I just start talking to you? Um, and you can tell me maybe if there's anything that I can do because so much was out of my control during that time. And that's what I learned during that time is like, I wouldn't have thought that I had control issues, but I totally had control issues. Um, and now that I had zero control over the decisions that were happening, it just left me like completely like, what do I do with my time? And so when I was opening up to the therapist, she was like, you need to find something that's yours. And I was like, well, I don't really have any hobbies. Like I've never been one like sports or anything like, and she's like, well, like, what do you like to do? And I was like, well, I like to plan like events. I like to hang out. I like to do things like with people. And so I began to like with that, I started like my own little like blog at the time. And I just started writing about um, different things. We were going to do it like for me and, and my husband, we we're going to start traveling and stuff. So that's what it like started as or like, oh, me and you'll start traveling since we have all this time and we'll write about it and we'll become travel bloggers. But then I started like I had so much hard heartache inside of me, I started to just use it as a diary and just talk about the pain of the situations that we were going through. And and then I would post it and I would have all of these people that were kind of like a, not friends, not close friends necessarily, but you know, somehow like they knew me through um, some other avenue and they just started like messaging and be like, we, we were dealing with this too. Like this is something like I had no idea. We thought your family had it all together. Everything was perfect in your house. And I'm like, oh, heck know. And so through that, like, we we're like, okay, well, this is a need, like, let's start, you know, reaching out and doing more in this area. And we became so focused on that, that it kind of like drew us together. But we went through this period where we really didn't even know how to connect with each other, because we were so focused on just parenting for one, and now we didn't have to. And then when we were together, we just complained about the other side over and over <laughs> again, we didn't have anything else to talk about. 
when they were gone, yep. except to just rehash the same stuff over and over. And we finally got to a point where like, okay, we're not going to talk about the kids. We're not going to talk about work. And we were just sitting there like we have nothing to talk about. We have got to change this. We have got to create our relationship with each other. We have put so much focus on the last, because at that point we had been married about eight years. We put so much focus on the kids, their extracurricular activities, getting their homework, dealing with their um, ADHD and just um, all the co-parent drama stuff that we didn't actually prioritize the two of us together. And so Mm -hmm. we began to just start being very intentional on having like these deep conversations and and along in this time as well I had been waiting for eight years to have a child with him like this was the part that just like broke me because it was always when we get a bigger house and we get a bigger car we can have a baby together and he knew that from the beginning from the get-go I wanted to have more children and so we got to this point where we got the house you know and then the kids start leaving and um, finally like okay well now we can start you know multiplying again and for about two weeks um, you know I was so excited because we were going to start a family and then all of the the heartache that he was dealing with losing his daughter in that scent. Um, he just said, I can't do this. I don't want to start over. I don't want to ever go through this pain again. I, I don't want a kid. And I allowed that at first when all this was going down to really like push him away because I was like, how can you rob that from me? Like you don't get to make that sole decision mm-hmm. for us. Um, this is a joint effort here. But at the same time, do you want to force someone to have a baby with you either? You know, like right. Yeah. Um, I have a so- friend currently going through this where she got into the relationship with the intention that they would have an hours baby and he's older than her so they have a 13 14 year age gap similar to what my husband and I have but he's been alienated by his ex-wife against for two of his children so he they're and they're adults now and he just doesn't want to start over and she's gone through that same thing she's like but we were going to have a baby and now we're not yeah and it's you have to grieve that and because again I was in therapy at that time so it were those things that I was learning that I hadn't even realized that I had put that wall up with him because Mm -hmm. I was so upset that he made that call and I didn't get to to choose differently so one day I came home and I I was able to open up and express to him like this is what I've been going through and this is what I've been feeling and I just want to tell you because I want to get it all out out in the open. And I realized at that point that I had kept all the crap in. Like I was so scared to ever tell him how I really felt about things because I was afraid if I was completely honest with him, then he would pick up and leave too. And I did not want to be, you know, I was already, you know, 26, 27, going through a divorce, two kids. I didn't want to be in my thirties now in a second marriage. So I just like kept everything in, but it, it kept his and I relationship from ever growing completely intimate with each other because I was just like, yes, ma'am. You know, like if he, he said this is how it was going to be, then I just would like go along with it because I didn't want to rock the boat at all. And so I began to open up about that. And it was like, um, just letting all of, you know, these pent up emotions. And we began to work through some things and talk through things. And ultimately, when I realized like my kids were closer to making me a grandma, especially when they were out on their own doing their thing, I was like, they could come up pregnant at 16, 17 years old, and I could be a grandma and also having my own child at the same time. Um, So I ultimately decided to like follow his lead in there. But it was a few years of resentment towards him because of the fact that um, I felt like I was robbed of that. 
Yeah, and resentment's something that can fester and it can either make or break you. So either you tackle it and you deal with it, or if you don't, it just festers and then you become the statistic, right, of mm. failed marriages and failed second marriages. Yes. But you've pretty much already answered all of our questions that we had for you. So we thought we would jump into some of our listener questions where people wrote in. Okay, awesome. If you're ready for that. All right. So the first one that we have is, how did you have the tough conversations with your husband on prioritizing your marriage? Um, I remember our very first conversation when I brought it up to him and he was like, what do you, what do you want from me? Like, there's no time. Like, we don't have any extra time right now because he's coaching the kids teams. Like, we volunteered heavily in, in the church. And then, of course, you know, just regular life stuff and work. And I remember being able to use an analogy with him. And I was like, you make time for the things that are important to you. And I had mm -hmm. told him at the time, I was like, you know, you go play racquetball with your dad every Tuesday. That is something. And I was like, I'm not against you going to do that. Like you want to do that more power to you. But because that is important to you, you block off that time every week to go do that. Mm hmm. I just want the same from you. I want you to want to be around me, you know, and, and so mm -hmm. we have to have these hard conversations. And for me, the thing that I do first, um, cause I am a believer. And so I, I will take it first. I'll take it to God and I'll pray like, God, I need you to show him truth here. I need you to soften his heart in this area and show him, you know, what, what needs to change. And then, um, and we joke about this in our family, then I have learned how to present it in a way that he'll end up thinking it's his idea <laughs> and then completely allowing him to think that it is his idea as well. And so that's knowing your husband and understanding like how they handle like change and mm -hmm. the calendar and all of that stuff and try to be completely respectful. Like I know my husband is tired. I know he is putting all his effort in in a work day. And we, we talk about this all the time with each other. Like I don't want to be another task on his to-do list. Like I want the time that we spend together to be something that's energizing him, not draining him more. And mm -hmm. so for us, what we do is like, I have, okay, these are the things that I love to do. Then he has listed out all the things that he loves to do. And when I did it like that, he wanted to talk about, oh, I love to do this. 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 And he just kept his list going and going and going. And I was like, well, I like to do that too. Well, I like to do that too. Can I add that to my list? And so then we started like looking, okay, we both enjoy doing these things. Let's just start small. And for one hour out of this week, like let's do one of these things. Like besides just watching TV together, because that's like the easy go to right yeah. like wanting to to put that so that's us actually like spending like quality time together and building our relationship but if you don't build your relationship you're not going to have a relationship when your kids get older and they move off and then you're going to be one of those statistics where you're just shocking your children because all of a sudden you're just roommates so you have to yeah. you have to spend this time together with each other but as far as like even just putting the marriage over the kids it was a conversation that we had like from the get-go like mm -hmm. 
I remember we lived in two different cities and having these late night phone calls. And I was like, I just want you to know, like, I have done some research and some studying and I did it wrong in my first marriage. And I put my kids before my spouse and our marriage failed. And from the stuff that I've seen, we've got to be a team and we've got to put each other before um, we put the kids. That doesn't mean we don't do the things we need to do for the kids. But when Mm -hmm. it comes to like who's on the same page and not letting them like play sides and all of that, we have to be one team here. And sometimes we would get it right. And then sometimes we would both fail miserably and have to come back um, and have those hard conversations with each other. Yeah. And that's something that Lauren and I talk about all the time. And there's a difference between prioritizing your marriage over your kids and prioritizing your marriage at the expense of your kids. And I think that's where the misconceptions come in and we get attacked on Instagram and like someone shared one of your reels and I just had to bite back because I was like, you don't know what you're talking about because you're not prioritizing your marriage at the expense of your kids, but you have to prioritize your marriage because at the end of the day, if you don't, you've got nothing when they leave. Yeah. Well, and the kid life is going to happen. I mean, you're the majority of your day, you're going to work so you can provide for your kids, right? Like so that you can have a house and um, over your head, electricity and food like the events that they do, all of the extracurricular activities, the schoolwork, all of that has to be done. So it's not saying stop doing all the things for your children and take care of them. It's saying, okay, in the midst of all of that, you need to make sure that you two are connecting and not giving each other leftovers, that you're parenting all day long, running around, and now it's time for the two of you to crawl into bed and you're too tired to even connect physically, emotionally, Mm -hmm. intimately, anything. And so it is nothing like you're going to, okay, now I spend 75% of my time with you and the kids get 25%. No, the kids are probably getting 90%. We're saying Mm -hmm. take 10% of your week and give it to each other and make that a priority. Um, And I think that's Mm -hmm. where people get so confused. And it's like, what do you, I don't even understand. Like, yeah, I think the example on there is like, oh yeah, your kid has a broken arm and you're like, fend for yourself. Um, Me and and dad have date night. And it's like, what kind of parenting do you come from? (laughs) Exactly. Right. Like my, my son broke his elbow and his dad didn't come to the hospital. So you want to talk about who's prioritizing their relationship over the kid? Like, yeah. That that's a perfect example of that. My my husband was the one who picked him up from school and took him to the hospital. You know, there's a, there's a balance, and I think people just don't get it. Yeah. Um. So our next question from the listeners is: How do you not carry guilt of his divorce and try to fix something you didn't break? So how do I not carry guilt from from my husband's divorce? Yeah, that's yeah. what the question is. I, well, their relationship was over for so long that like I didn't really feel any guilt like from that relationship. Now I did feel the guilt of like her mom would tell her if it wasn't for Scarlett, me and your dad would still be together, which was completely false mm-hmm. and and not true. Like you're remarried. I'm sorry. Like um I have nothing to do with that. And so just that guilt as far as like knowing that the kids can't ever have what I wish that I could give them, which was uh, you know, they're both their biological parents in there. Um but I have recently 
come to like a realization because we're always unfolding new things in our relationship. And we were just reading this, this book about intimacy and the, you know, time that no kids listen to this, right? So we can just talk like real people. Okay. Well, both, both Randall and I are very um, people pleasers. And that comes from our previous marriages that we both were the ones that were left, I guess, in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. And so we came into the relationship wanting it to work so badly. And like I said earlier, like we just really wouldn't talk about any of the hard stuff because we didn't want to stir the pot in any way like that. And so as time has progressed and we started having the harder conversations, we're learning more about each other. And so we're both very like, okay, well, we just want you to be happy. So whatever we need to do to make the other person happy. And so we'll go through these long periods of time where we're not having sex with each other because he feels how tired I am and I just want to be like pursued by him. And so I'm just waiting mm-hmm. and he's not. And so we're, we're reading through these questions in this book and it talks about your past relationships and and what you saw in your sexual relationships and your experiences there. It's just something you don't really want to talk about with your husband, right? Like, so tell me about your sex life with your with your ex-wife. But he opened up about some situations where he was rejected a lot in that area. So he kind of shut down in that area to where he doesn't pursue because he doesn't want to be like rejected and shut down. And then I'm over here like, well, I don't want to pursue you because I feel like if I was hot enough, you just want to take me wherever I was, right? Like, and so um, we both are like tiptoeing around that. And then to realize doesn't just have those conversations like, oh, okay, so you do want me. You're just trying to be respectful of me. Um, And then I'm able to see it from his perspective, like, okay, so you've been rejected before. So you want me to kind of, you know, initiate that sometimes. So you know that I'm, you know, I'm in it on this as well. And so I would say that's like one area where we have seen kind of like the I guess you could say the brokenness of before, Mm -hmm. but he came into our relationship really has learned so much during his four years apart that from, you know, time that he was divorced until him and I met that he had already like, I don't feel like he was broken, if that makes sense. Yeah. See, both my husband and I, we did the leaving in our previous relationships. So by the time we left, we'd already, the relationship had already been over for a long time for us mentally and physically before we physically left. And so everyone was a bit shocked because we both moved on real, what appeared to be really quickly, but they're not taking into account the two, three years prior. Like my husband was sleeping on a couch for two years when he was living with his ex-wife and he was just sticking around because the kids were young and he thought that's what he needed to do. And I was going around in circles, trying to leave, coming back, trying to leave, coming back. And then the night that it all escalated and I went, nope, I'm leaving and I'm leaving for good. The relationship was already over for us. So when we came together, we were already having those hard conversations of how do we not end up a statistic? Like how do, how do we fix what was broken in our previous relationships so that we don't end up statistics. So we already have those conversations and there'll be times like my husband's also older than me. So like he's 46 and I'm 33. So I clearly have a 
higher sex drive than he does. So I'm coming at him quite often. He's too tired. But if if it's been a week, he's like, no, we're making time. We're, we're getting down dirty tonight. Like we have to make it happen. Otherwise, we're just not reconnecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, that's ours. It's like a week is like way too long. <laughs> like, okay, it's way too long. Bad. And you just have to make the time because life does get in the way. And sometimes we are too tired with the kids and work and whatever, but you have to reconnect. Yeah. And I will say just along with that question, I was probably more of the broken one. Um, Mm. And Randall could not fix me. Like I had to get help and understand where that broken and the broken didn't just come from my previous marriage. Like that came from being exposed to situations when I was a child and from my mom and dad's divorce. And so all of that broken carried into my first marriage, which carried into my my second marriage. But someone else can't fix you in that way. Like you've got to Mm -hmm. be willing to really dig deep and say why. And I think that's I think, uh, Lauren, you said it earlier about being put in the situation as a step parent to learn these things. And that's exactly right. Like the things like I learned, okay, if this is a trigger, if this bothers me, there is something deeper going on here. What is the deeper issue? Whether it be my biological kids, my stepkids, my husband, my ex-husband, what is this deeper going on? And then let's pull this up at the root so that we can move forward from that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Our next question, you didn't really say that there was any bad habits coming from Riley, your stepdaughter, but you did say there was some bad habits coming from your bio kids. But the question is how to stop the bad habits from coming from stepchild into your home and influencing kids. Mm, yeah, I guess. See, and that's where the situation's like, you know, a little bit more unique because we did have them full time. And so the habits, really, those bad habits weren't coming until later um, into those teenage years, those things coming from the other parent's house and then bringing it in. Um, I would say how to stop it, I think is first realizing like, what are the things that are really like non-negotiable? Like, this is how we raise our kids. And what are the things like, I'm just being petty right here and willing to admit that I'm, I'm being petty with these certain habits. Um, And then, okay, like, so how are we going to deal with them from here? So like with my kids and the ADHD, that like the mess in the bedroom, like I was very, I grew up in filth and I was just like, I'm not doing filth. We we're not doing food outside of the kitchen. Like, and that didn't make sense to my stepdaughter either. Cause at her mom's house, she could do whatever she wanted. But then in our house, like Randall likes things, you know, very neat and tidy. And so now if anyone is like, you know, being a mess and bringing all of their stuff from their rooms into the rest of the house, that's not okay. So we had to get to a point like, okay, if you're going to have a mess, keep it in your room and we can shut the door. Like that's your space. You can do what you want as long as you're not keeping food and stuff, you know, to cause bugs and roaches and all of that to come into the rest of the house because they won't just stay in your room. But like even like habits, I'm just thinking like with my stepdaughter, though, way that her other side of the family is, is they're, they can just come off very rude in the, the approach yeah. and how they deal with like, even just not, not a, like acknowledging someone when someone walks in the room, not being grateful when somebody gives you something and having to like, okay, well, how can we teach her these 
these lessons. And so what we've learned, just even depending on which which kid it is, that, okay, if this is an issue that I'm seeing she's dealing with, then I'm not going to bring that up to her because I used to. And it just dug me deeper into a hole in a relationship with her. So I bring that to my husband. We talk about it. And a lot of times he'll be like, yeah, I know, like it's so embarrassing or this and that. And then he approaches it with her on like, okay, this is what, you know, I'm noticing this or these things need to change and Mm -hmm. then vice versa. Like if he sees it with the kids, okay, then it's my place to go in there and correct the kids in this area. But we have that discussion together behind the scenes and then we move forward on what that looks like. That's something we talk about a lot where the stepkids, no matter what side it's on, they hear things better from their bio parent. But you need to be communicating with your spouse. So like I communicate with my husband about what annoys me about his kids, even though they're still my kids, they're his biological kids. And then he addresses it with them. You know, one of the things is we've just introduced that big J he's 13. He's got to start doing his own laundry, you know, help out around the house, especially because, you know, teenage boys and you don't know what's going on with his laundry. He's got to start doing his own. And I said to my husband, that's fine. You have to be the one to tell him because if I tell him I'm just the wicked stepmom, you need to tell him. They just respond better. Yeah. And they do. And we even right now, like my my stepdaughter just moved back in and she brought a dog. And we're, for one, we're not really pet people in general, but we have accumulated a couple cats, one indoor, one outdoor. And she has brought her dog in and it sheds like crazy and there's hair everywhere. And then she'll throw him a strawberry or something and for him to eat and he doesn't eat it. And now it's on the floor. And I'm like, what in the world? Where's the strawberry come from? She's like, oh, I gave that to him. I guess he didn't eat it. And so, I mean, even for the 24 year old, I'm like, hey, look, like this is the stuff that I'm noticing. He's like, oh yeah, I know that's been like bugging me too. Like I'll address that with her. And then he still like, even though her and I were, she considers me her best friend and we're great. Like, but this needs to come from her dad because when it comes from him, she takes it more serious. Whereas when it comes from me, it's just a suggestion, you know? (laughs) Yeah. That's funny. That's kind of how I was as a teenager. And um, both of my parents were my biological parents, but anything (laughs) they told me was a suggestion. Yes. Um, That's why I know that I'm going to have a tough time with my daughter as a teenager because I'm already like, okay, I'm getting exactly what I deserve. And she's only five months old. So, (laughs) (laughs) all right. So we have one more listener question and it's how do you enforce boundaries? Because everyone we have put into place is completely disregarded. And the boundaries are put like as far as the co-parent? Both co-parents and stepkids. Okay. Um, well, I'll start mostly with the with the co-parents and because I know that y'all have talked about this as well. Um, I want nothing more to have like picture perfect relationship with them. Like I would love for us to be able to get along. And there are situations where we have like I've had my ex-husband over here and we've hosted things for the kids together now. Um, but my ex-husband didn't understand any boundaries like he will straight up walk in to my house without even being invited like back you know early on like his thing was like oh you have a boundary let me let me show you that you do not have a boundary um and so that was hard because I felt like I was put in the middle and I didn't want like I definitely didn't want like my ex-husband because he did have some violent past and then for Randall which to me is like the sweetest man ever to have to go like you know physically fighting each other because these boundaries so I was like try to tiptoe around that and make sure that he like never knew that that my ex-husband was like working his way around that but I 
say all that because I have wanted to put good boundaries in and I've never been able to just like really establish good boundaries with them. So the boundaries have to be basically a lot of non-contact. Like I can't have um, Riley's mom on my social media. I want Mm -hmm. to, sometimes I will, but anything that I post is she's going to take it. No matter that we're doing this to help other families or whatever, take that regardless out of there. If I was to post something and we're happy together, it hurts her heart because Mm -hmm. she wishes she had that with her. If I was to say anything negative, like because parenting is hard, regardless if it's my stepkid or my biological kid, then she would be like, how dare you? Like you, you should be lucky that you get to even experience that with her. And so there, I really, there was no winning. So I just had to put up, okay, well, we have to block this because if I say something, then she's going to then take it to my stepdaughter and she's going to get the brunt of the emotion from her mom. So I've got to like put up some safe boundaries so that that's not a situation. And to me, I see it doing her a favor because she doesn't have to Mm -hmm. look at my face or anything that, you know, I have to say. And then I had to put up some boundaries as far as more so Randall, where the communication went through him because her and I will try to talk with each other and I'm so open and I just talk and I share and I'm accepting. And then that same stuff gets like flipped around on me and is said in like not what I meant type thing at all and it just becomes an unhealthy situation there so he'll end up being the one like okay he'll decide like as far as with his ex like okay I'll be the one communicating if I want to answer her I'll answer if I don't want to answer her I I won't and just leave me out of that every once in a while things the stars align and everything's wonderful and we have a conversation or a meetup or whatever and things go good but for the most part and where we're at right now the boundary is pretty much no contact. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's the safe zone for us. And then with my ex during that time, it was it was just finding other solutions. If it was like, okay, he's trying to come in the house. Okay, I'll bring the kids to you or I'll pick up the kids from you. That way it's not like him trying to like impede into our space or we have a mutual meeting place for that. Yeah, I pretty much have no contact. Like the only time I contact Karen is if I need a copy of Little Jay's scripts for his medication because she knows that I handle that for the household because I'll just go to the chemist, the pharmacy, get all our prescriptions at once. But because of the type of prescription he's on, he can only have one. We can't have one each. So that's the extent of my contact with her really is I message her once every couple of months and go, hey, can I have the script? (laughs) And then with my ex, I communicate over a parenting app and he just doesn't communicate. He like, it's not gray rocking, it's stonewalling. He just doesn't even read the messages. Mm. Yeah, so. it's so hard when they don't want to just play nice. And I know because I've been the one not playing nice as far as like, mm. it. I didn't mean to not be playing nice. It's just I was the one doing all of the stuff. I was the one making the decisions. They were kind of coming and going. And so um, I wouldn't overly communicate. I probably could have done a better job of that and allowing him I was just trying to survive motherhood. Like for me Mm -hmm. to remember to tell you to do all the things that you need to do in your part of it was just a lot mentally. Like I'm just trying to get one kid from here to here. Like I'm struggling to keep up for myself, much less try to keep you on board as well. Yeah, it's crazy. But that's all the listener questions that we have for you today. Otherwise, we're going to keep going. And I know that I could keep talking to you for hours, (laughs) but we'll have to have you back on just to do another catch-up chat and cover anything that we didn't get to cover today. But I just want to say thank you for being a part of this episode and your insights and experiences are invaluable. 
Well, thank you all for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Did you did you just want to plug your Instagram and your podcast and everything so our listeners know where they can find you? Oh, sure. It's on enjoying your blended family. We spend most of our time on Instagram. We do have a TikTok, Facebook as well. Um, and then the podcast also enjoying your blended family. And we have a new episode that comes out every week. And obviously awesome. we'll tag you in our yeah. posts. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Maybe we can we can come on your podcast next time. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, no, I was already thinking that today. Okay, it's like we need to pick the next date. And um, I don't know how we do it when I'm asking both of y'all questions. Um, but maybe we can just pick a topic and we mm-hmm. can all just sit around and talk about that topic. That sounds, that sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So thanks. All right. You're welcome. <laughs> awesome. Bye, ladies. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this insightful episode of Raising His Kids with our wonderful guest, Scarlett, from Enjoying Your Blended Family. We hope you found inspiration and valuable insights in Scarlett's journey as both a biological mom and a stepmom. Indeed, Scarlett's story reminds us that blending families is a unique and sometimes challenging roller coaster, but with love, creativity, and prioritizing your marriage, it's possible to navigate it successfully. We'd like to extend a special thanks to Scarlett for sharing her experiences and wisdom with us today. And of course, thank you to our listeners for joining us on this podcast roller coaster your support means the world to us so if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe leave a review and share it with your fellow stepmoms and mums who might find scarlet's story as inspiring as we did and don't forget to connect with us on social media you can find us everywhere at raising his kids and we'll talk to you again next week bye bye